I invite you to take your Bibles and let's turn to Judges chapter number 4. Judges 4. We, we began last week looking at Israel's third cycle of failure. That's recorded in all of Judges 4. And as the Lord elevated and used, a, a, we saw how God was using some women here. And we only saw one of those last week. We're looking at Deborah, and we're going to say a few more things about her. But uh, sad because of the failure of Israel's men to step up and be men, uh, the Lord had to use some women here. And um, they were used in a great way for His glory. Tonight we're going to meet the other woman as we go through the Scripture here, but we're sticking with the same outline as the previous cycles. Remember me saying it's like deja vu all over again. It's um, just the same old thing. And uh, we're going to stick with it as long as it works. And it does work. The cycle remains the same, only the details, such as the names, have changed. And it's not to protect the innocent. Amen. <laughs> the names change uh, uh, a new generation. And so... We saw Israel's sin, and that's how it always begins, isn't it? It began with sin in verse number 1 there. We saw that, and we saw the suffering and servitude in verse 2 and verse 3, how that the Lord raised up the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, against them. And the captain of his host was a man by the name of Sisera, and which was giving them some grief. And uh, they had 900 chariots of iron, and the children of Israel couldn't do anything against them. We saw the supplication there in verse number 3 as the, the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Um, for he had 900 chariots and 20 years. He mightily oppressed the children of Israel. And you know, it's just sad to think it took 20 years for them to realize we can't do this on our own. We need the Lord. And of course they reached out to the Lord, and when they finally reached out to Him, we began to see the Savior, the Deliverer that the Lord gave to them. We saw Deborah's position there in verse number 4 and 5, how that she was, uh, the Bible says that she was both a prophetess and a judge, and we saw how she settled disputes there, uh, the people of Israel in verse number 5, and we saw how that she was really the leader of the nation during some very dark days here. Um, we were looking at how the Lord also used Deborah in a very real way as a judge to deliver his people from the bondage and oppression brought on by their sin. Now, uh, we saw Deborah's prophecy there in verse 6 and 7. And I'm just, we're just uh, reviewing this real quick and then we'll get into tonight's verses. But we saw that Deborah received a, a word from the Lord and so she called Barak. To, to take 10,000 men and go to war with an enemy. Said, the Lord promised to defeat Sisera, the Canaanite general. The Lord God promised a great victory. All they had to do is trust God and go fight. <laughs> well, we saw Deborah's problem was in there in verse number 8 and 9. Deborah had a word from the Lord. She shared that word with Barak and found that Barak was kind of reluctant to follow the, that, that word. Without her... Uh, he wasn't willing to go. He was willing to go to battle, but only if Deborah would go with him. So she agreed to go, but told him that since he depended on a woman, the Lord was going to use a woman to take out Sisera. And that's where we left off. And we're going to pick up in verse number 10 tonight. And we see Deborah's partner. 
her partner Barak. We didn't say a whole lot about Barak last week. Look at verse number 10. Barak calls Zebulun. Uh, it says there to and Naphtali to Kedish. And he went up with 10,000 men at his feet. And Deborah went up with him. So she did go along and he, he went, took these armies with him. But we see... Um, uh, Part of Israel went to war with Sisera and the Canaanites. Barak got 10,000 from his own tribe of Naphtali and the neighboring tribe of Zebulun, according to uh, verse number 6 there, and also verse number 10. Um, and, and then we see that they're also mentioned in chapter 5, verse number, uh, verse number 18. But later it appears that the ranks of the warriors swelled from 10,000 to 40,000 according to chapter 5 and verse number 8. Chapter 5, you remember, is the song. We mentioned that uh, at the end of this, and we'll talk about that when we get get to the end of the chapter here. Uh, there was a song that uh, Deborah and Barak sang. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know what the tune was, but we got the words. And they'll, they'll give praise unto the Lord. And then... Uh, some other praises go out there, but it, it, a lot of a lot of things about the the battle, a lot of things about the people who were involved is found in that song. And according to chapter five, verse number eight, uh, there were some volunteers from Benjamin, Ephraim, Manasseh, and Issachar in verses fourteen through fifteen. I think they mentioned those. Uh, some of the tribes, though, refused to come, according to chapter fifteen. Uh, and ver- through verse number 17. But those who did come saw the Lord give them a great victory. Amen. If you be obedient to the Lord, the Lord will give you a great victory. And they were obedient to the Lord. Considering the fact that Israel had no shields or spears, I take it they, they must have had swords. And uh, uh, that's all they had. And that means, that means you had to do combat up close and personal. Okay? Uh, had no shields or no spears, according to chapter five and verse eight, and there was no standing army. I mean, we're just we're just talking about people that were called out of the tribe to hey, let's go. We got to, we got to defeat the, the our enemy. And what Barak and, and and Deborah did was an amazing act of faith. They trusted the Lord, and He gave Israel a great victory. And uh, chapter four, there in verse number um, verse number fifteen, tells us. Well, let's let's, re- let's read on from from verse number ten. We read verse ten says says in verse eleven. Now he bare the Kenite, which was of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, had severed himself from the Kenites, and pitched his tent into the plain of Zanim, uh, which is by Kedesh. And they showed Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinoam, was gone up to Mount Tabor. And Sisera gathered together all his chariots, even 900 chariots of iron, and all the people that were with him, from Harasheth of the Gentiles unto the river of Kishon. And Deborah said unto Barak, Up, for this is the day in which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into thine hand, is not the Lord gone out before thee? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor and 10,000 men after him. 
And the Lord discomfited, notice that word, he discomfited uh, Caesarea uh, and all his chariots and all his hosts with the edge of the sword. That's why I say they had swords, okay? Because it's mentioned there. They had the edge of the sword before Barak so that Sisera lighted down off his chariot and fled away on his feet. Now let's take a look here at the battle for just a minute. It tells here the Lord discomfited Sisera and, and, and his armies. Judges 5 and verse number 21 tells us uh, what happened. Um, look at Judges 5 and look down in verse number 21. Judges 5 and verse 21 says, The river Kishon swept over swept them away, excuse me, swept, the river Kishon, of Kishon swept them away. That ancient river, the river Kishon, O my soul, thou hast trodden down strength. Then were the horse hooves broken by the means of the prancings, the prancings of their mighty ones. The idea here is that uh, um, the Lord allowed the Kishon River to overflow its banks, and these 900 chariots of Sisera became stuck in the mud. And the, the, talking about the prancing of the horses, the horses could not pull the, those chariots out of the mud, so they're just prancing around. And uh, the, the soldiers were swept away by the currents. And, then, and they were chased and killed with the edge of the sword. We're gonna, uh, all the soldiers of Sisera were slain. Let's... Uh, Let's look at uh, verse number, back in chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. The Lord discomfited Sisera and all his chariots and all the hosts with the edge of the sword before Barak, so that Sisera lighted down off his chariot and fled away on his feet. But Barak, notice, pursued after the chariots and after the host until Herosheth of the Gentiles and all the hosts of Sisera fell upon the edge of the sword and there was not a man left. Not a man except Sisera, okay? Just the leader was all left. You got the captain, the host is the only one that remained there. And uh, we'll see that here in just a minute. They, they were all killed. All the soldiers were killed. Now, seeing that his army was defeated, Sisera fled for his life uh, from the battlefield. I guess he could tell that it, things weren't going well. And I don't know at what point he took out and fled. But he saw things weren't going his way, and he decided he was going to save number one. <laughs> you know, everybody's in it for number one, right? Usually, and uh, he he went to the tent of a man named Heber, uh, who was of the Kenites. And the Kenites were a people, uh, a people group who aligned themselves with Israel. And this particular family, however, had turned on the rest of the tribe and took sides with Sisera. And his army, let's, let's take a look at uh, verse number 17 and 18 here. How be it Sisera fled away on his feet. Okay, He's running. So he's going to be tired, right? He, he ran to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite. For there was peace between Jabin, the king of Hazor, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. So he thinks he's in friendly territory here. And he might have been, except for the fact that um, his army was on the losing end here. So he flees, thinking he would find refuge there. And we see in verse number 18 uh, that 
uh, Heber's wife, Jael, greeted Sisera and invited him into her tent. Jael appeared to be willing to, to, to help him hide from his pursuers. Uh, look at verse 18. And Jael went out to meet Sisera and said unto him, Turn in, my Lord, turn in to me, fear not. And when he had turned in unto her into the tent, she covered him with a mantle, uh, kind of appearing that she's trying to help him not be discovered. Look at verse 19. He said unto her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. And she opened a bottle of milk and gave him drink and covered him. Uh, well, you know, Sisera asked Jael for this drink of water. She brought him a drink of milk instead and it's thought that the offer of milk served two purposes. Number one, it eased the mind of Sisera. He got more than what he bargained for, right? Uh, well, I asked for water and she upgraded my drink to, to, to milk. He was convinced that, uh, that he had entered the tent of a friend and that he was safe. In fact, he, he asked Jael to lie for him down in verse 20. Look at verse 20. Again, he said unto her, Stand in the door of the tent, and it shall be when any man doth come and inquire of thee, and say, Is there any man here? Thou shalt say, No. Now, a couple of things here. Uh, this tells Jael exactly what her position is. She knows this guy's on the run from an army, you know, and he's on the losing side because he's the leader and he's running and he's on foot. He's he's not he's he doesn't have a, a horse, he doesn't have a chariot, don't have anything. And so you know, we we see that um, when he that milk that he she offered him, uh, uh, somebody said, Well that possibly helped him go to sleep. You know, a lot of folks like to drink some milk before they go to bed. I don't know if there's any truth to that. But he, he was already tired from the battle and fleeing, fleeing the battlefield. And when he drank the milk, he laid down in the darkness. And it wasn't long until sleep overtook him. And while he slept, <laughs> we see that Jael took one of the tent nails and drove it through Sisera's head, killing him graveyard dead. <laughs> Look at verse number 21. Um and then Jael, Heber's wife, took a, a nail of the tent and took a hammer in her hand and went softly unto him and smote the nail into his temples. In other words, she, she, she just got him right from here all the way through there. And she drove it into the ground. Okay, His, his head is dri driven into the ground. It was fastened into the ground is what it says there. For, for he was fast asleep and weary, so he died, you think? <laughs> uh, somebody says, being obsessed with the obvious. <laughs> if you've got, a, if you've got a, a tent stake driven through your temples and your head's bashed into the ground, you're going to die, that's for sure. And uh, we see that in that culture, I think I want you to think about it, it was a woman's responsibility to put up and take down the tents. I find that kind of humorous, you know. But uh, so Jael was used to swinging that hammer. This was not a new thing for her. She's used to hitting a nail, a tent nail, 
and uh, she just put it in the right place on his head. Uh, and she wasn't stupid. I mean, she was smart here. Uh, when she saw Sisera come to her tent on foot, she knew that he had to have been defeated in battle. Okay. She also knew that if she was caught hiding him in her tent, she might be put to death with him if Barak found them, if it found, found him uh, in the tent. So she, she saw that Israel had come out on top in the battle and she wanted to be found on the right side when the dust settled. So it appears that J.L. was a very wise woman in that. I mean, wouldn't you say? I think she was very wise. So let's stop here. You know, God used this woman. And uh, God uses a lot of women in Scripture. Praise the Lord for that. He uses a lot of women in church in our in our day and time too. And I thank thank God for uh, the, the for the women who belong to Him. And uh, they're not second class saints. Godly women fulfill a vital role in His work. And if all the women were removed from the average local church, I feel certain that uh, most churches would close their doors. They just would, because <laughs> a lot of a lot of the work gets done. Um, by women. Women hold a vital place in the work of the local church and these godly women in every church exert tremendous influence on the children of the church and I thank God for the godly active women in churches. Um, now we see uh, um, let's look at uh, go ahead and read down verse number 22 and behold as Barak pursued Sisera Jael came out to meet him and said unto him, Come, and I will show thee the man whom thou seekest. And when he came into her, her tent, behold, Sisera lay dead, and the nail was in his temples. So God subdued on that day Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the children of Israel. And the hand of the children of Israel prospered and prevailed against Jabin, the king of, of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. And now what we see in the chapter number 5, we see, uh, we're going to see this amounted to victory, which brought about rest. Amen. We see the silence or rest that is brought about. First, there was the sweet music of victory. The victory over Sisera and his army resulted in Deborah and Barak launching into songs uh, the song, the words of which are recorded for us here in chapter 5. Uh, it's a song of praise to the Lord who gave them the victory over their enemy. I have no idea how they were singing this song, whether they were one of them would sing a while and the other one would sing a while. They were telling the story as they went along or whether they were singing it together and the Lord was just giving them the, 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 uh, the song. I, we're not told that, but it said they then sang Deborah and Barak the son of, of Abinoam on that day, saying, and here's the song, Praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel when the people willingly offered themselves. And so here they began by praising the Lord for his virtues. Uh, the primary thrust of, of these verses is, uh, uh, verses 1 through 12, that we, we're going to read uh, uh, the, all 12 of these verses here, but the primary thrust of these verses that we're about to read is a refrain of praise offered to the Lord for His wonderful works among the people of Israel. Uh, let's read verse 2 again. Praise you, Lord, for the avenging of Israel when the people willingly uh, offered themselves. Now, let me just pause there. 
victory would not have come if they hadn't gone into battle. <laughs> they had to say, we're, we're, we're willing to go. And they had to willingly go into the battle, the ones that went to battle. Um, verse 3, Hear, O ye kings, give ear, O ye princes. I even I will sing unto the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. Lord, when thou wentest out of Seir, when thou marchest out of the field of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped, the clouds also dropped water. The idea here is there was a big rainstorm that come and caused the banks to, to overflow that river. And uh, uh, the Lord is the one that brought forth the victory. Uh, verse 5, the, the mountains melted from before the Lord, even the, that Sinai from before the Lord God of Israel. Now when it says the mountains melted, I, I, I envision mudslides. Okay, probably mudslides took place, which you got more mud on the field. Uh, those chariots ain't going nowhere. <laughs> the more mud, the more they're stuck. Okay, and so verse number six in the days of Shamgar. Remember Shamgar was uh, mentioned in chapter three in verse thirty-one. He was the one that slew six hundred of the uh, Philistines. In the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, in the days of Jael. Uh, the highways were unoccupied, and the travelers walked through byways. The inhabitants of the villages ceased. They ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose, that I arose a mother in Israel. Uh, uh, and you know, the, Lord, the Lord did use Deborah to mother uh, the nation. Amen. Remember, help bring forth a victory. Verse 8, they chose new gods. Then was uh, war in the gates. Was there a shield or spear seen among 40,000 in Israel? So the idea here is all they had was just the swords. I mean, you're out fighting with a sword. You don't even have a shield to hold up to. Uh, that, that's, that's the picture that it gives here. My, my heart is toward the governors of Israel that offered themselves willingly among the people. Bless ye the Lord. Give, give the Lord the praise. Amen. I mean, the people willingly offered themselves, but give the Lord the praise is what they're doing here. Speak ye that ride on white asses, ye that sit in judgment and walk by the way. They that are delivered from the noise of archers and the uh, places of drawing water, there shall they rehearse the righteous acts of the Lord, even the righteous acts toward the inhabitants of his villages and Israel. Then shall the people of the Lord go down uh, to the gates. Now, it talks about archers here. Those are the enemies that had the, the archers, the guys that were in the uh, uh, chariots. And, and so Israel was at a disadvantage. They had any shields to block their arrows. So what happened to the arrows? God guided them. Amen. They didn't find their mark. Uh, and God made sure they didn't find their mark. Um Look at verse 12. Awake, awake, Deborah. Awake, awake, utter a song. Arise, Barak, and lead thy captivity captive, thou son of Abinoam. Um, it's a, then we see in verses 13 through 18, Okay, we saw there in verses 1 through 12, they praise the Lord for his virtues. Uh, verses 13 through 18, they're praising the Lord for his volunteers. Look at uh, verse 13. It says, then he made him that remaineth have dominion over the nobles uh, among the people. The Lord made 
me have dominion over the mighty. Out of Ephraim was there a root of them against Amalek. After thee, Benjamin, among thy people, out of Machir, uh, came down governors, and out of Zebulun, they that handled the pen of the writer. And the princes of Issachar were with Deborah, even Issachar, and also Barak. And as he was sent on foot into the valley, um, for the divisions of the Reuben were great thoughts of heart. There were great thoughts of heart. Uh, why abodest thou among the sheepfolds to hear the bleedings of the flocks? For the divisions of Reuben, there were great searchings of heart. Um, so Gilead abode beyond Jordan. And uh, why, did, why did Dan remain in ships? Now Gilead would be the area where Gad was at. So you got Gad and Dan uh, did, not, did not come to help. Asher continued on the seashore and abode in his breaches. Zebulun and Naphtali were a people that jeoparded their lives unto the death in the high places of the field. So when the call went out for volunteers here, only half the tribes came to fight. The rest refused to go to war. And in the days of Joshua, you remember every tribe was expected to fight for the nation. Remember when we saw that when we were in the book of Joshua? You know, in fact, uh, the, even the ones that were, they said, you know, we want our we want our uh, possession to be on the other side of Jordan. He said, well, you got to go over there and fight first. Make sure that your brethren get uh, get victory first, and then you can go back and settle in. And there was a time when they were allowed to go back, but not until victory had come. Now, verse twenty three uh, mentions a, a curse uh, on the town of Miraz. Miraz was cursed by the angel of the Lord because it refused to help. The idea uh, uh, that uh, I gather from this is that they were within uh, hearing distance of the battle, what was going on, and they were crying out for help. And uh, Miraz just decided they weren't going to help. This is the only place in Scripture that you find Miraz. Why is that? Because they were cursed of the Lord. Nobody even knows uh, who, who the people were. I mean, that's how, uh, it's just that they refused to help uh, those that were fighting. And that's what we're told there in verse number 23. It's a Miraz said the angel of the Lord, curse bitterly the inhabitants thereof, because they came not to help to the help of the Lord, to help to the help of the Lord against the mighty. So uh, we see that. And uh, they, of course, they praised the Lord for his victory. And uh, verses number 19 through 23 here. <clears throat> it says in verse 19, the kings came and fought, and then they <coughs> and then fought the kings of Canaan in Taanak uh, by the waters of Megiddo. They took no gain of money. They fought from heaven. The stars in their courses fought against Sisera. In other words, hey, let's, this victory was coming from above. <laughs> yeah, there was a battle going on on the battlefield, but the victory came from heaven. The victory came from above. The river Kishon swept over them, uh, swept them away, excuse me. That ancient river, the river Kishon, O my soul, thou hast trodden down strength. Um, then they were then were the horse hooves broken by means of the prancings and the prancings of their mighty ones. And then, that, uh, of course, that curse there pronounced on Miraz. 
But the, the enemy was defeated by the power of the Lord. So they praised the Lord for his victory here. And he, of course, he's the one that sent the rain. He's the one that caused the uh, river to go out of its banks. And he defeated those 900 iron chariots that uh, the uh, Israelites had already shown. They couldn't do anything against the 900 chariots. Okay, They had 20, <laughs> had a long time, a lot of years trying to, to, uh, to, to get it done. Uh, they oppressed 20 years. They oppressed Israel, and Israel couldn't do anything against 900 chariots. All it took is just one rainstorm for the Lord. One rainstorm, and they were history. Um, so one, one raindrop may seem to be a tiny, fragile thing, but when it's united with many other raindrops, it, it becomes a thing of great power, <laughs> just as the Lord took the weak raindrops and used them to wash away the, the enemy there. He took the weak army of Israel and gave them a great victory. The Lord is the one, still the one who gives victory even today. Uh, thanks be unto God, which giveth us victory, right? In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26-31, talks about the victory of the Lord. But we see they praised the Lord for His vessel. Uh, the vessel of Jael, I'm not, verse 24, Blessed above women shall Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, be Blessed shall she be from above women in the tent. He asked water. She gave him milk. She brought forth butter and a lordly dish. She put her hand to the nail and her right hand to the workman's hammer. And with the hammer, she smote Sisera. See, she not only uh, smote him in the temple and, and put him there, but she afterwards she says she smote off his head after that. <laughs> he nailed his head down into the dirt and then cut his head off. What a woman. Uh, <laughs> you wouldn't want to cross her, would you? Uh, when she had, when she had, she had smelled off his head when she had pierced and stricken through his temples. Verse 27, at her feet, he bowed, he, uh, he fell, he lay down. At her feet, he bowed, he fell. Where he bowed, there he fell down dead. The mother of Sisera looked out. This is, uh, this is, uh, Sisera's mother, the captain of the host's mother, she used to see her son come home uh, from the battle. So the mother of Sisera looked out at a window and cried through the lattice, Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why tarry the wheels of his chariots? She wasn't understanding why he wasn't, why he wasn't back yet. Her, her wise ladies answered her, Yea, she returneth uh, answer to herself. Have they not sped? Have they not divided the prey to every man a damsel or two, to Sisera a prey of diverse colors, a prey of diverse colors of needlework, of diverse colors of needlework on both sides, meet for the necks of them that take the pull? You know, uh, she's describing the kind of victories they had had previously. <laughs> Verse 31 says, So let all the enemies, all thine enemies perish, O Lord, but let them that love him be as the sun when he goeth forth in his might. And here's the rest. All that, after all of that praise for the Lord, uh, uh, we see there was sweet, sweet rest after the victory. And it says, and the land had rest 40 years. So uh, rest from the enemies was what they had longed for. And they cried out to the Lord and were obedient to the Lord and He gave them the victory and the rest came with it. Next week, Lord willing, uh, we, w- 
Uh, we'll see Gideon, but uh, that's our Bible study uh, for this evening. Amen.